Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Today, man, I believe we are going to see miracles in people's lives. Uh, We all know that Mother's Day is an incredible day. uh, And around this place, we have made Father's Day also an incredible day because in a lot of situations, uh, it is diminished in comparison, but not here. And all the men said, Amen. And so uh, thank you, men, because we truly want to honor you because we have come to realize the incredible value that you are to your family, to this church, uh, and the anointing that is on your life to do things, the giftings that you have in your life. Uh, I've told it before, but uh, when I first became pastor, Uh, Father's Day was the time to straighten out the fathers, all right? And uh, one day uh, after Father's Day, a man came to me and he said, Pastor, I just want to tell you, I love you, but I'm never coming back on Father's Day. And I said, why? Why would you not possibly want to come and be beat up by the pastor? Why? 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 And he said, you know, you just get down on us fathers. And I started rethinking Father's Day, all those uh, probably 30 years ago. And um, as a result of that man having enough gumption to come and speak truth, all of a sudden, as I realized I was going in the wrong direction and I should be valuing you and so far after that, we have, we have honored you, we have understood uh, the parts you play, and nobody can take your place, amen, all right? So nobody absolutely can take your place. So dads, you have an anointing, you have an anointing, say it, I have an anointing, I have an anointing on my life, and uh, though you may have stumbled in the past, that's the past, you're not dragging your past into your futures, amen, so your future is, let's just start it today, all right, if you've had regrets galore, uh, let's just start over today and let God do what God wants to do and what God only can do. Well, I want to read you a scripture. Uh, It's uh, the last scripture, the last thing said in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. It's very important often how um, somebody starts off a speech or uh, an introduction, a sermon, whatever, but it's very important. But it's also very important how a person ends or how the book ends ends, what is said last. Uh, uh, A few weeks ago, we talked about what Jesus said last to his church to go and tarry in Jerusalem till they were filled or with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So what someone says last is vitally important. Well, let's look at Exodus chapter 3, the last thing of the old covenant. And it says this, and I will give this people favor. In the sight of the Egyptians, and uh, uh, that is the wrong verse. I uh, I have 
unbelievably just checking to make sure these guys are on this thing. All right, so what do they have on the screen up there? They have Malachi. I'm reading something else. Pay no attention to me. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. All right. Okay, they are saving me up there. And it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Am I turning red? I feel like I'm turning red. All right, so anyway, uh, let's go back to the scripture. Get your mind on the Bible. All right, so behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Behold, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, we're not going to focus on who Elijah is, uh, when he's coming, when the dreadful day of the Lord is. I believe certainly in this, uh, this particular scripture, we could say that uh, he's talking about the tribulation period, that dreadful time that is to come. I do not believe by any means we are in the seven years of tribulation. But we are in the age, the end of the age of the pre-tribulation uh, time. And so we are seeing things. We are hearing things. People are so confused. They don't know what a man is. They don't know what a woman is. People are internally, they have issues internally. And people are being told things that are lies that are so, um, so impacting their lives. So we live in a terrible time, but a good time because light shines brighter in darkness, uh, and it is going to shine into darkness. So praise God for that. Now, so we're not going to talk about that part. Here's the part we're going to talk about because God is concerned about fathers and children. God is concerned about fathers and children. This morning after the first service, a young man sitting here on the front row. You mind if I tell this? It's all right. You're... Comes up to me and he says, I contacted my birth dad. And, and at this point, he doesn't want to be involved in my life. And I told him this. I said, look, here's the truth of the matter. If your dad knew Jesus Christ... He would be different. He wouldn't act like this. He would embrace you. He would love you. He would absolutely throw his arms around. He would do anything if dads know Jesus Christ. And so God is concerned about boys uh, that uh, don't have a relationship with their earthly father. But and thank God, fortunately, this young man has an incredible relationship with his heavenly father, which makes all the difference in the world. And I've said that to other young men and others that, uh, yeah, your dad wouldn't act like this if he knew Christ. So you grow up, live for Jesus, and make a difference in your children's lives. That's what they need to hear. So God is concerned about fathers and their hearts and children. And here we read, and he will turn. He will turn the hearts of the fathers in other words, the hearts of the fathers have turned away from their children during this time. It's, they've turned away. And we see that to some degree today. 
hearts of the fathers turning away from their children. And so God is concerned. He doesn't want them to stay that way. So he's turning their heart back to the children. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. Uh, thank God, look at this. And so he's saying, after the fathers, here's the key, the fathers will turn their heart by the help of God to their children, and then the children will turn their hearts to or be receptive to the Father. Thank God for that. Men, you may be out of relationship right now with your children, but don't wait for a phone call. Don't wait for a letter. Don't wait for communication. You go out of your way. In kindness and love and graciousness, you reach out. You make the phone call. You do not let them in any way, shape, or form get away without a godly effort on your Heart. Well, thank God for that. Miracles are going to happen in your life. Just believe for them. Now, here's the verse that I started reading a few moments ago. It is a verse that Pastor Jason, our campus pastor at Red Bug Lake, we were talking about the other day, and he asked me about this verse, and he said, uh, you know, he, he told me what it said, and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I have never consciously saw that in my whole life. Um, I don't, I've got to see it to believe it. I just can't believe it's in there. And he said, well, it's in there. I'm going to give you the scripture. And we started contemplating this scripture and, and, uh, and the part that it would play in this weekend's sermon. And uh, we shared some thoughts uh, as we stood there. But I'm like, I've got to read this for myself because I just, I could not could not believe that I had never seen it. In the morning devotions in the morning, I usually read through the Bible, the Revelation, start back over, read through again. And uh, so I'd never seen it. Uh, when we read it today, you may say, oh, pastor, I can't believe you didn't know that. Well, anyway, there's a lot you don't know. All right, so Exodus chapter 3, verse 21, and it says, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it shall be when you go, when you go, when you go out of Egypt, all right, they've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. When you go out of Egypt, that you shall not go empty handed, but here it is, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor articles of gold or silver and, well, let me back up, ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. Now you say, Pastor, you didn't know that? Yes, I knew that part. All right, here's the part I did not know. And you shall put them on, you fathers and you mothers, and you shall put them, these articles of silver and gold and clothing, on your sons and own your daughters. Wow. Does that not blow your mind? It blows mine. And then he says, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Whoa. Now, as we thought about this verse, and, and I realized I never saw that consciously. I just read right over and kept going. And all of a sudden I see it. Slaves for 400 years. Fathers who never got to ask their son, 
What do you want to be when you grow up? Hmm, I guess a slave. Uh, what do you want to be, honey, when you grow up? A slave. There was, that question was never asked. There was no hope. There was no future. They already knew what was ahead of them. More slavery, more hard toil, more burdens to bear, more meager, barely getting by in an existence in Egypt as a slave, building the pyramids and working day after day after day after day for little. And so, all of a sudden, I see this and I'm thinking, as I picture these Egyptians uh, handing over these jewels, I mean, why were they doing that? Why would they do that? Well, they had just suffered through all the plagues, and the last plague was the worst. The last plague was this, that the firstborn son of every household that did not put the blood over the doorpost and the lintels, that that, that firstborn son would die. And so throughout Egypt, firstborn sons died And everywhere there was death and everywhere there was grieving and everywhere these Egyptians wanted these Jews out of their land. And so when they came calling, here, take it all, just leave, take it all, just leave. They were in such deep grief and they stripped them. And in one sense, it was like the Egyptians were paying them back for 400 years of of labor. When they took the jewels, can you imagine? Here's a slave woman that's about to walk out free out of Egypt. Here's a man slave that's been a slave all of his life. And he stands in front of his son and daughter. And now he has silver and gold and clothing. And they're rag, wearing their ragtag, whatever it was. And the parents were, were dressed poorly, of course, also. But to take those jewels, and why would they give it to the kids? Why would they put it on the kids? To place it on the kids. Think about the father putting a gold necklace around the neck of his daughter that had only known slavery all of her life. Or a son, a garment that was beautiful that all of a sudden just made him feel like somebody. And all of a sudden, these children began to feel like there's a future. I'm going to be somebody. A smile came on their face, of course, because valuables were placed upon their life. And in the sense we're talking today about fathers praying, it's like, dads, you and I, when we pray for our children, we're putting valuables on their shoulders. We're putting valuables in their life. We're speaking things over them. We're changing their, their future by what we pray over their lives. They lived under oppression. They lived in such a state, uh, there was no hope. But now there is hope. Teenagers that never had a, just a fun getaway. No, there was no fun getaway during this time of slavery. But this changed everything. 
for these children who they were. They were just a lowly slave, a nobody. But all of a sudden, they're feeling like somebody wearing the gold and silver. And you and I, our children at times feel like nothing. They feel like giving up. They feel like they're, they're never going to succeed in life. But through your prayers, putting your prayers over their life, speaking over their life, your prayers can have a tremendous impact. Alice and I went to babysit for Carla, who lives in Lakeland, and Reed is four years old now. He's just turned four. And um, we were there, and, and she said, listen, I've been really having a problem with him going to bed and, and sleeping, and it's just been terrible lately. And so um, and I'm just telling you. And so that night, it was my job to put Reed to bed. He's about, I don't know, hardly two years old. And I walk into that bedroom with him, and he's uh, fussing. And, and uh, so all of a sudden, I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this kid? I don't want to stay in here all night, you know, with him. And so what am I going to do with this kid? And out of maybe out of desperation a little bit, uh, I just started praying for him, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, praying over his life. And all of a sudden, as I began to do this and pray in the Spirit, he quieted down. And uh, that little boy, I, I just kept praying in this. I could feel the anointing on his life. I could feel the anointing, I mean, around him and on us. And, and uh, that little boy went to sleep quickly. And uh, thank God, I placed him over in the bed and... Uh, the next day, the next day we left because they came home. And the next day she said, what did you do? He slept all night long. And uh, I'm just telling you, it wasn't, wasn't me. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit prayed through me onto his life. And you can do the same. Even if they're already gone, grown and gone, you can still do the same. Praying for them and let, letting them experience the anointing. They may be somewhere and they're like, I don't know what's happening here, but uh, I don't know what's happening, but I feel God. And you're down here in Orlando praying your heart out for their life. Thank God. Making a difference for them. Well, by this act of putting these gold, this gold and silver and clothing on their kids. They were beginning a new generational norm. Now, most of us have heard the story of Albert Einstein and all that he did. I saw a biography of his, and he did far, far more than I even realized. It was incredible. But uh, the story's told. I don't know if it's true because there's conflicting reports on Google. And, uh, but um, by and large, people accept this, whether it's true or not. But he came home one day, the story's told, Albert, when he was a small boy. And he came home, and, and the, he says, Mom, here's a letter from the teacher. And she said, for only you to read it. So Mom looks at it, and supposedly this letter says this. Um, your son is mentally incapable of doing school work. Uh, we have no one that can work with him, so we suggest you keep him at home. In other words, give up on him. And instead of reading that to her son, she read something like this. Well, son, it says that, the teacher says that you're a genius, and we don't have any teacher qualified to teach you. So I'm going to be your teacher from now on. Now, think if, if it's true. 
And it doesn't even have to be true for the principle to be true. I'm telling you right now. I mean, you could read the old letter and say, son, you're a dumb kid. I don't know. They just said you're a dumb kid. You don't have brains. And now, you can read that letter or you can look at your child and say, look, this help means nothing. It is not indicative of your mental capability. It may be circled in red, big old F, but it means nothing. You are a smart child. You're going to grow up to have things in your life. Uh, you're going to accomplish much. Uh, this, uh, this means nothing to me. And so how you approach things, how you approach things and what you say is putting silver and gold and precious clothes on your children that is going to impact their future. Read the other day one of the worst things you could possibly ever, ever, ever say to your child is, you were a mistake. Oh my God. Now they may have been a surprise, but they were not a mistake, all right? So don't ever, and I don't even recommend using the word surprise. Because we told one and they were like, so I was a mistake? And we're like, no, no, no. And so anyway, uh, had to be very careful what you say to kids. But uh, how many of you are grandparents in the building? Let me see your hand. All right. So uh, how many of you think your grandkids are smarter than mine? How many of you think that? All right. So we got a bunch of braggarts out there. All right. So anyway, well, I challenge you. We're, we're, I'm taking you on right now. A little pocket of people over there. All right. But uh, the other night, um, our daughter, youngest daughter, was over, and she had uh, Reagan, who's six, best reader in her class, by the way, and by the way, and so anyway, uh, <laughs> then read, read, the one that I prayed over in tongues, and he went to sleep, read, he's now, he just turned four, um, a couple years or so ago, he was diagnosed to be on a, all I'm going to say is spectrum. Um, and when I heard the news, I'm like, I'm not believing it, not receiving it. I'm not going to claim it. I'm not going to speak it. Now, I've been a little chastised for ignoring maybe reality, but that's not my reality. All right? So I choose another reality for his life. And I'm like, no, he's going to talk. He's going to be wonderful. He's, gonna, he's going to uh, grow up and be just fine. All right? So um, anyway, I'm getting to the challenge in a minute. But uh, all right. Um, so. They've been playing, and they were both laying on the floor, and Carla starts asking, Reed, tell me an animal name for each letter of the alphabet. And so he says, she says, A, and he gives her the name of an animal. B, same thing, C, D, E, same thing, gives her a name of an animal. And on a couple of times, he threw her off. Intentionally, you could tell, by giving her another name, and just laughed. And then she went all the way through the alphabet for every letter he gave her the name of an animal. And then she asked him some other things of, give me a, you know, just a thing. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm sitting there. I was an education major. I was the first principal of our preschool, I'm telling you. So I got credentials to know a genius when I see one. And I'm like, this kid is a genius. And I started saying, he's a genius. He's a genius. Now. I feel from this bunch over here that a little bit of pushback. They're like, that's not that big a deal. All right, so, okay, well, let me just say this, all right? Recently, 
she was in the car with him, and he was sitting in the back, and he was saying his ABCs all the way through. And uh, you're like, no big deal. My grandkid did that too. All right, so. um, But then she hears him gibbering back there and thinks it's gibbering, and then stops and realizes that kid who just turned four had gone through the whole alphabet and started going backwards through it and speaking backwards through the whole alphabet. Now, try that one. I don't, you're impressed, aren't you? All right, so I declare myself the winner. All right, anyway. Uh, but when I was seeing and hearing what he was doing the other night, I was saying, he's a genius. But it was because I said that because of what I heard and what I saw. Now, how much better for all of us if we will speak uh, things that are powerful over our children, our grandchildren, when we don't even see it or hear it. So go ahead. Go ahead. Start speaking. Uh, Go home today. Son, you're a genius. You're a genius. You're going to make me a lot of money, son. Uh, You're going to live for God. You're going to serve the Lord, honey, daughter. You're going to be a righteous woman. You're going to be a holy man. You're going to be smart. You're going to walk in health. You're going to walk with the favor of God and the favor of man. All right? So go ahead and speak that over their lives. They're impressed over there, I can tell. All right, so, dads, you can't change the past. No, you can't. Can't change the past, but you can let God change you, and then you can walk into the future, and not only with your life changed, but your kid's life, maybe your grandkids, their, their kids, and on and on and on and on. Last Wednesday night, incredible. The Teen Challenge Center for Sanford was here. Some 50 men here uh, that had come out of addictions and bondage. uh, And uh, one of them walked onto this platform. Um, He walked onto this platform and he said this. He said, me and my family were here in this church eight years ago for two years. And I'm sitting over there. I cannot believe this. I cannot believe I cannot believe that somebody was here for two years and, and uh, then fell into a lifestyle of, of bondage and the family uh, just, you know, not destroyed, but devastated and separated. But I saw him walk on this platform with a smile on his face and conviction in his heart and passion for Christ. And he began to speak uh, that uh, what God is doing and has done. Let me tell you, that's what faith is, speaking when we haven't seen it yet, all right? So speak it when you haven't heard it and you haven't seen it, all right? We need to declare that our children are infinitely valuable and they are worthy of our prayers, us praying blessings over their lives, They are the most valuable thing we have, dads. And so we need to do everything we can to implement into their lives the goodness of God, bringing them to church. Don't fail to bring them to church. And listen, you may be online and there may be a reason you're not able to come. But if there's not and you just fell out of the practice, I'm challenging you. Challenging you next week, get up off that couch and I mean, get those kids in church, get that middle schooler in church, get that high schooler in church, uh, uh, get them here because they need to be in fellowship. They need to sense the presence of God. And I know they may, 
But uh, they need to be around others their age to be encouraged and challenged uh, to grow in God and the things of God. So parents, some, of, some parents I've heard in the past, very few, thank God, have said, well, I don't want to pressure my kids. You know, I don't want to make them bitter at the church. Bitter at the church? For heaven's sakes. My God, have mercy. And uh, you need to bring them to church so they can fall in love with Jesus and love the church, all right? So... Several years ago, several years ago, I met a parent, some parents in the parking lot, and they said, yeah, pastor, our kids in there, I guess in fine arts, uh, we have to bring them here all the time. They love the place. It's like they want to be here all the time. You know what our punishment, parents, listen, you know what our punishment is, they said? We're like, hey, you don't straighten up, I'm not going to take you to church, all right? I'm, I'm just going to not take you to church. And they straighten up because they want to be in church. I thought, thank you. that's incredible. All right, so anyway, our need, children need to hear the voice of the Creator, and they need to hear the blessing of father and mother over their lives and everybody else. If somebody is giving them bad stuff, I mean, you keep them away from them as much as possible. All right, God has empowered us to change our family history. I better move on. I see the blue, the zeros have come up. All right. Okay, pay no attention. Um, what we say, you know, my wife used to say all the time, she started saying to our son, you're seven sons in one. And she still says it to him. Uh, years ago, I was a little embarrassed because she never said, you're seven husbands in one. <gasps> no, she didn't even say, you're two husbands in one, no. I got nothing. No, she's given me plenty of accolades, more than enough. Uh, but I've always said to him, and I don't know why he said it, but I've always said, son, you're going to be a better father than me. And I didn't know if that was going to be true or not, but I just felt it to say that. And the other day he calls me, and he's, his oldest son, who's 10, is a, he's, he's into books. Josh is into mechanics. He can fix anything. He's out and about and doing stuff, and, and he's an outside person. And, uh, and my oldest son, Easton, grandson, he loves to read. He could read for hours. And he said, Dad, I'm going to take Easton out with me. We're going to climb a mountain. We're going to climb a mountain, and I'm going to teach him life's lessons. I'm going to say, son, sometimes you're going to feel like giving up. Some, sometimes you're going to get tired but you got to go on. There's a view at the top of the mountain, and he goes on. He starts in, and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He is a better father than I am. I never thought of anything like that. Of course, we don't have any mountains around here, but I could have found a river, a stream, a, a, a ditch, a something. I gotta, but nothing. Nothing. Dads, most important thing are your kids. Your job is important. Your hobbies are important. Your hopes and dreams are important. But family is forever. It must come first. Here's an incredible verse. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, 27. And I'm going to close. 24, 27. Go ahead, build your career, and give yourself to your work. But if you put God first, you'll see your family built Wow, look at that verse. Build your career, give yourself to work. Yes, I know how men are, but put God first and he will build your family up. 
Dads, we're proud of you today. We are so proud of you today. Today is the start of a brand new future. Um, start today by putting valuables on your sons and daughters. Put valuables on their life uh, like, the, like the Jews did in Egypt a while. Dads and everyone else, would you stand all over the building, please? Please, no one leaving yet, uh, especially dads, all right? Dads, please, 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 please don't leave yet, all right? We've got time, okay? So here's what we do every Father's Day, and I know that some men, uh, I know how men are, you know, so um, men, please don't slip out. We want you to do something. We're just going to pray for you, all right? So and it won't take long. We're going to ask all the fathers all over this building, those of you online, um, I pray you would stand in a minute and maybe um, do the same thing as best you can or let your family pray for you. You pray for them. Well, more important, I want you to pray for them, okay? Pray for them wherever you are, all right? Uh, fathers, come, come quickly as you can, all the way to the front, all the fathers in the building. Uh, we've got a gift for you this morning too, um, from the risers to the front. I know it's going to get a little crowded. That's all right. We won't hold you here long, okay? So the air conditioning's running. It's going to be fine, all right? Um, so dads, come, slip up as close as you can, right to the edge of the platform. We're going to need you to do that. Thank you, thank you. I know men don't like to, you know, they need a little room. But uh, wow, 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 wow. Look at these guys. Spread out, guys. Over here to the side, uh, Pastor Marcos, if you'll move some of those over there. And uh, here's some more coming down the front. There's still room behind. I see a foot or so in space. It's okay, guys. It's all right. Uh, move a little closer. Move a little closer. It's all right when men get close. It's all right. Men, I know how we are. <laughs> and God has helped change me in so many ways uh, to come out of being, you know, the old man into a different man. And so there are a lot of things we need to get comfortable with. We need to get, well, we'll get to that one later. But, um, before we pray, because we're going to pray for our family, our kids, before we pray, I want the man who spoke a word of prophecy over my life and Alice years ago, John Paul Jackson. I don't know if he ever claimed to be a prophet, but he was. Um, he was talking or speaking at a house in Lakeland, and there were probably only 30 people, 25, 30 people. And my oldest sister said, Carl, you got to come. you got to come. And I didn't want to go. And I kept saying, no, I don't want to go. She said, no, you got to come. She was so persistent. Wouldn't leave me alone. Finally, I'm like, okay, I'll go. So we went. We sat down. And he started talking and sharing. It was really good. And then he started talking to people and saying something about their life. And I'm like, oh, boy, he, you know, he's going to get to me eventually. And he did. And he said, looked at me and he said, um, Sir, and I was um, 33, 32. He said, Sir, I, I, God hasn't shown me what you do. But he said, Sir, pretty soon you're going to be the head, not the tail. And then shortly thereafter, I ended up, and no pursuit of mine, I ended up as the senior pastor of this church. Um, he also looked at me and said, sir, you're, you're a man of detail. I thought, well, yeah, 
He said, but not always. I'm like, it's like, give a gift, give me half of it back. All right, so I'm like, but not always. But I thought, well, that's true. And then he says, do you guys have any children? And we said, two. And he says, well, you're going to have another one. Well, we're, we weren't impressed. We're like, yeah, one day we plan to have another one. One day. What, we, what he failed to tell us was that she was pregnant right then, and we didn't know it. Um, shortly after, found out, and we're like, oh, my goodness, he could have told us this. But uh, anyway, um, so I want him to pray a blessing over your life. Let's play the video. Some of you did not have great father figures. Some of you had fathers who passed away before they could give you a blessing. Others of you, for one reason or another, are unable to receive a blessing from your father. To you, I want to offer the blessings of the Heavenly Father through myself, an earthly father. This type of blessing is seen in number six as God blessed the children of Israel under the pronouncement of Moses. It goes on to say that upon blessing the people, God would place his name and bless those who heard it. That means you. Therefore, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And from me, from my heart, as a father and a grandfather, I'd like to bless you in this way. May you reach the purpose for which you were created. May you have courage above your peers. May you have more passion for the things of God than others think is necessary. May you dream more than others think is practical. May you expect more than others think is possible. And may you choose wisely without earthly bias. You have people to influence that you've not yet met. You have lives to change that are waiting for your arrival. You are strategically placed wherever God takes you by his grand design, just so you can become everything he made you to be. That place is the place you can grow best. That place is the place where you can be most fruitful, the place where the future is changed because of your presence. May you see vistas that others don't even know exist. May you see God in every petal of every flower and every blade of grass, for each of them are designed by his hand. May you bless your children and may they become giants in the faith under the mighty hand of God. You won't fail. You were made by God to be here for such a time as this. Man, you were made to be here for such a time as this. Uh, man, I know. I know this is, uh, you know, I, I want you to picture it like this. Most, a lot of you like sports. And you see the teams, professional and otherwise, they, they huddle. They get together. Sometimes they lock arms and they're like, we're going to win. We're going to win. They don't go out there and say, we're losers. We're losers. No, we're going to win. We're going to win. Let's take them. Let's take them. And they get fervent with it. So I want you to learn to interconnect with other guys. Some of you need to even um, break down some barriers in that area so that you learn to say, hey, man, I love you. Men sometimes have a hard time saying, I love you. Even to their kids, they don't say it. 
And everybody needs to hear that. They need to hear it from dad. I had a group of like 10 guys I met with one time. And, and we went around the room asking, how many of you ever heard your dad say that? There were only like two. I'm like, my God, dad, say it today. Say it today. And don't stop saying it. Keep on saying it. When they get 35 like my son and, and, uh, and my daughters, I say it. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. They need to hear you say it. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.